John, we've got more breaking news. <laughs> is it about Solo? Because all I want to talk about is Solo. Yes, the sky is falling, John. John, this is a disaster. Oh, I know. Can you believe those cameos? They were terrible. It was awful. <laughs> all of them. And they make no sense. I mean, the timeline is now completely thrown out the window. Ugh, and this is supposed to be canon? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> John, I can't believe you're speaking of this as if you've seen the film and experienced okay, it yourself. Okay, I haven't. Is that true? I haven't technically seen it yet. No. Okay, of course but... you haven't. No, because you're not holding up this end of the bargain. I thought you were aspiring to snob them, and instead you <laughs> won't even slip out to the theater and actually see movies. Oh, I'm sorry. I need to be a film snob to appreciate Solo, a Star Wars movie. <laughs> Having seen it, yes, apparently you need to be some kind of some kind of aficionado to figure out where we are in the in space and time. I feel like I've already seen it. Lando Calrissian, Kessel Run, Millennium Falcon. <laughs> This I have true. a bad feeling about this. May the force no, be John, with now you. It's a, I have a good feeling about this. Oh, okay. Ooh, but John, ooh. there's holographic chessboard. There's Wookiee <laughs> ripping out somebody's arms. <laughs> Remember that from Rogue One? Remember how it brought you joy? <laughs> yeah. What little joy we have in our grim, grim lives. <laughs> but no, we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about um, grim, depressing things later. Okay. <laughs> when you actually see Star- Solo, a Star Wars story, okay. we'll we'll talk about that. All right. At length, I'm sure. Because mm-hmm. everybody loved our <laughs> our Infinity War discussion. Yes, they did. Are you kidding? It's our most popular episode now. Just clicks, 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 click. Clicks. Eat them up. Ugh, these people, they're just, they, they need content. They're just insatiable. God, I, th- I think it's important that creators have a, a healthy disdain for their fans. Yes, I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, just know that we're different people, you mm-hmm. know. You don't know us personally just because you listen to us jabber on for an hour a week. No, and also we know we're better than you, so there's also that. So. <laughs> well, I, no, no, that's, that I know that I know is completely false. Oh. I'm not better than most people. Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't even talk about Solo. What's what's going on with Solo, Greg? Oh, right. Well, it's not reaching box office projections, so obviously the sky is falling, and oh, no. you know we're all doomed. No, I mean, no. it, Solo, a Star Wars story, makes about $40 million less at the box office than they anticipated. I mean, what's the point of moving on, really? I mean, a hundred million dollars at a four at a four day weekend. Who would have thought that they oversaturated the market with this a new Star Wars movie every year? Who would have thought? <laughs> I, who knew? Well, John, you're talking about market saturation. I think it's the fault of the customers for not really <laughs> not going for the well, for not, not knowing that they need Star Wars to survive. <laughs> exactly. If for not appreciating just the hard work, dedicated craft that Disney puts into every single movie, even if it means firing their directors halfway through principal photography. Oh, sorry, when principal photography was done. Well, 75% done, so they wouldn't have to credit them, oh, of course. according to the, the Directors Guild of America. Uh-huh. Poor Phil Lord and Chris Miller. They lost Last Man on Earth, and now this? It's like, ugh, are they not the Hollywood superstars I thought they were? No, that now they just have to console themselves with their millions of dollars in their <laughs> Hollywood Hills mansions. <laughs> And they're not even directing the Lego Movie 2. This sucks. This sucks. Hollywood is garbage. I think that's a lesson we can all learn. I can't, can't disagree with you there. <laughs> that's the mild, that's the lukest, lukewarmest of takes. Let's <laughs> get it. Star Wars punch. Yep. Uh, the most, uh, the most warm of Luke takes. <laughs> Lukewarm takes. <laughs> yeah. I like warm of Luke, you know. Uh, I just remember when Hollywood was the things were simpler back then when you could just put out a western and things would be just turn out all right. That was just a good time at the movies. Yeah. No, John John, not just a western but also a star. You need a star here. Of course. You need big name attractions here. Mm-hmm. Like John Wayne or Clint Eastwood. We've been exploring westerns all this month and it's time we ride off into the sunset. John, what was the impetus for Western Month? Because Westworld. I love Westworld. More Westworld, please. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. <laughs> so when it came time to do a, a Western movie from the 70s, because mm-hmm. obviously if you've been keeping track, we've kind of gone through the decades, mm-hmm. what what Western should we pick? I mean, what should, what should we close out this Western Month with? Well, when we did our Month of Horrors for Halloween, we decided to close off, to cleanse our palates with the master of parody, Mel Brooks. So, of course, we obviously did the same thing. We're going back to that well, folks, because this week we watched Blazing Saddles. When outlaws rule the West and fear filled the land, a cry went up for a man with guts to take the West in hand. They needed a man who was brave and true with justice for all as his aim. 
Then out of the sun rode a man with a gun, and Bart was his name. Yes, Bart was his name. He rode a blazing saddle, he wore a shining star. His job to offer battle to bad men near and far. He turned dark night into day. He made his blazing saddle a torch to light the way. It's record scratch, not Westworld. <laughs> Really no. get that thing fixed again. Like the next picture show already did that. They paired. First of all, they never do TV shows, but they already did Westworld, which obviously is a point in its favor for its quality. Yeah, because it's an wait, amazing show, the, and you're not. Did watching you say it. the next picture show, the movie? What do you no, say? No, the next picture show, the podcast. Our biggest oh, rivals I've... in the industry. <laughs> sure. Oh, okay. I'm I'm not aware of any other podcasts. Oh, really? I just do. I just do me. I mean, to anybody else, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I just dead to me. I just listen to our old episodes on a loop. While I'm touching myself. <laughs> but anyway, no. Westworld, the original, is not a classic. Again, we're just drudging up brand, brand names to essentially bring in the boomers who think uh, HBO is too scary and feel the nudity <laughs> for their delicate sensibilities. Okay, got it. So instead, we'll, we'll watch something that will also offend their delicate sensibilities, and that's the movie Blazing Saddles. So much farting in this movie. <laughs> and a lot of other things. <laughs> So John, this was your first time seeing Blazing Saddles. I I wouldn't say it was my it's 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 kind of a good the bad and the ugly situation where it's like this is the first time I can remember actually seeing the whole thing through. Cuz for me like I remember very specific scenes of this movie and it is very episodic so I probably just kind of succinctly remember bits and pieces but I can't really remember the last time I actually sat down and watched all 90 minutes. So so upon this viewing mm-hmm. how, what did, what did what did you feel? I mean what what Kind of what burbled out of you? Well, I'll I'll tell you what burbled out of me: guts and blood, because my sides were splitting so much. <laughs> John, you should you should really see a doctor. <laughs> I, I, I really should. I really should have gone to the emergency room immediately after. But yeah. But then that popcorn tastes so good coming in a second time. Um, I, I I had a great time watching this movie. I thought it was great. I love Mel Gibson, even though we were quite lukewarm. On- I'm sorry, Mel Gibson. Shit, fuck. I keep doing that. Mel Brooks. Fuck. <laughs> They're literally the exact that is a, opposite. That's a huge stuff. Freudian slip. Yep. <laughs> I love Mel Brooks. Uh, I think he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we were lukewarm on uh, Young Frankenstein, if you ever want to go back and revisit that episode. But uh, this movie's great. I thought it was. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. This movie's light years ahead of Young Frankenstein. And I think that's because they did not give a shit about the Western <laughs> genre at all. And so it's just kind of. It's or any other conventions or like in terms of sensitive sensitivity, let's say. Yeah. Because um, again, reviewing this through the lens of 2018 and trying to be uh, politically correct and sensitive to all, and um, this movie uh, kind of t- t- takes a torch to that, <laughs> a blazing blazing saddle, if you will. <laughs> well, I would say I would kind of agree that there's less of a loving um, touch to it as opposed to Young Frankenstein, because Young Frankenstein is parody. This is really more in the territory of satire. And as we all know, satire is kind of more designed to be kind of more poking and a little more critical than, say, Young Frankenstein, which really has no edges to it. This one, obviously, this one has a lot more to comment on, especially race in particular. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's that's what I was wondering on, because this is a satire of the unspoken racism found in Westerns, Mm -hmm. Um, which we've definitely explored this month. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if we have, because... Uh, something we didn't really bring up, but the uh, the other four classic westerns that we looked up, there's barely any people of color in it. Well, no, but I did make the, the four, point. Any of the four movies that we looked at previously. Yeah, but no, I did make the point that the fact that, you know, with at least the white characters, you have some that are, like, proud and noble and some that are just, like, despicably evil. But at least they're on a spectrum, whereas, like, if they do cast a person of color, they're usually morally compromised or down and out evil <laughs> there's no like purely noble good person of color in any old westerns especially in the any that we've seen well n- not purely good or whatever but the the representation is so small mm. i guess that's true yeah so maybe that's just maybe that's just the reason why yeah so i'm not sure again i i 
I don't appreciate it from like the satire point of view. It's more the kind of the wackiness of the, of the movie, and also the um, it is very metatextual and and as we see later, very fourth wall breaking. Like the, and that anarchic spirit is what I love. But the satire uh, upon this revisiting is something I can't square because it's it's commenting on the unspoken racism of this genre that you know let's admit is dying. <laughs> you know, any uh, any other viewer outside of the United States doesn't care about it. Any women, it, if I can generalize, doesn't really care about it. So like, what's the point of kind of you know skewering uh kind of making a political comment of, of a genre that's dying it's funny that you brought up that fact because uh, i i one of my biggest criticisms of this movie though and overall with mel brooks's films is that he does not really write women very well does he <laughs> just, no they're all well he writes women in terms of what they need and that they need to be a sex pot okay? <laughs> Well, okay, so this one kind of turns it on its heels a little bit. She is a sex pot, but she's she's yeah. exhausted by being a sex pot. <laughs> well, yeah, well, okay, we're we're talking about you know kind of commentary and and representation of the movie. Let's let's backtrack though. <laughs> okay, you're you're jumping way ahead here. Okay, in terms of that character, there's so much to talk about. So much to talk about. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> But just to get to the plot, uh, essentially there's a there's a band of marauders led by an evil sheriff. He's a sheriff, right? Or no, sorry, an attorney general. Mm-hmm. Um, who's play? Who's the character's name is a uh, Headley Lamar, but people mistake him for Headley Lamar. Everybody remembers uh, classic star Hedy Hedy Lamar, right? <laughs> Look, Mel Brooks is of his era, okay, and he will not yeah. make any references prior to 1950, okay? <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. Okay, so not every joke is A plus material, but <laughs> and so uh, in the midst of building this railroad, um, there are two uh, not quite slaves, but two like indentured servants played by uh, two black men. Yes, and One also we should named... comment copious amounts of the N word is used throughout this movie. Yeah, but it's done in a very I won't say, I won't say to com- to comedic effect, but to kind of well, I mean, t- to the extent that the characters look more ignorant. Exactly, it's because yeah. again they have these like thick, ridiculous, over the top Southern ac- accents, so it's like it doesn't really sting the ear as badly as say when Quentin Tarantino uses it, but you know, it it's still a bit off putting. But again, that's kind of the point is the fact that it's supposed to make you laugh at something that is uncomfortable. So. Yeah, well, to confront that and also the contrast between our hero, a black man named Bart, mm-hmm. and he's very erudite and, <laughs> and kind of smirking and, and kind of get, like worms his way out of any situation using his using his wits. Mm. So, I mean, he's basically again, Bugs Bunny, right down to the, yeah. you know, uh, we'll get to it, the telegram scene. So, um, yeah. but yes, you're absolutely right. And it's like that it's kind of put forth its thesis at the very opening scene. Where it's like, you know, they're like, why don't you sing one of your slavery spirituals? And instead what they sing is like an old Cold Porter song. Now come on, boys. Where's your spirit? I don't hear no singing. When you were slaves, you sang like birds. Come on, how about a good old work song? I get no kick from champagne. Mere alcohol doesn't thrill me at all. So tell me why should it be true that I get a belt out of you? Some get a kick from cocaine. Hold it, hold it. What the hell is that shit? I meant a song. A real song. Something like Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Swing Low, Chariot? Don't know that one, huh? Well, how about the Camp Town Lady? The Camp Town Ladies. The Camp Town Ladies. Oh, you know. The Camp Town Ladies sing this song. Do da, do da. The Camp Town Racetrack five miles long. All the do da day. Is it Count Basie who makes a cameo later <laughs> in the movie? 
I think it's well. Count Basie does make a cameo later in the movie as he's riding through the desert. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, I love, and that's another thing too. Like there are a lot of like anachronisms and things like that that you know signal like kind of how hard or ridiculous it is to kind of put up this peruse that this takes place back in late nineteenth century America. No, yeah, absolutely. And again, like there's that comment on westerns is the fact that it's not presenting you an authentic picture of what Western life was like, but now the romanticized American what Americans want to see of the Western lifestyle. This attorney general has a plan to uh, basically erase this town and get it out of the way so they can make room for a a very profitable railroad. Mm -hmm. When the town fights back against this little plan, he decides to appoint a sheriff, and in this case it's Bart, (laughs) thinking that the town will be torn apart by racism. Exactly. (laughs) And just the sheer volume of jokes, like this movie has like five credited writers and it kind of shows. And I think that's why, like for me, a comedy is like, I judge comedies based on a very shallow rubric, which is how often did it make me laugh? And usually if your volume of jokes is vast, then it's like usually works. And again, like there's so many jokes crammed in here. Even when he's coming up with his plan, he's trying to look like through the legal precedent. So he's like looking through the book. He's like, there's gotta be a way we can uh, salvage this land. Let's see, salvage, 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 see, land, page 86. Okay, United States versus Oglethorpe. (laughs) United States zero, Oglethorpe five. Yes, this is perfect. Yeah, and there's this dim-witted, uh, I guess he's the chair for Outlaw, that's kind of, that is co- that's his cohort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, I think my favorite character is Mel Brooks as the mayor. <laughs> who, who is, he's, uh, he's technically the governor, but yeah. It doesn't governor, matter, excuse yeah. me, yeah. He's kind of playing, I, again, roles, he, roles don't matter, yeah. The point is he's playing like a, hmm, how do I, how do I play both sides of this issue here? Uh, either a, depending on your political perspective, a Bill Clinton-esque... <laughs> Or a, uh, let's say, oh, well, I can't think of any Republican examples but at the, off the top of my head. But. I mean, that's what he plays best. Right? Remember when he was President Scroob in uh, Spaceballs? Like, it's, it's kind of the oh, same absolutely. role, except without the cross eyes. Here he's got cross eyes, uh, you know, just uh, got a lovely assistant, mm-hmm. a, a, a hugely talented assistant. <laughs> But yeah, just the amount of like jokes, like uh, oh, we'll we'll uh, placate them with ping pong paddles. I think this thing's defective. <laughs> I always get a warped one. Why do I always end up with a warped one? <laughs> yeah. So you're right. Like again, not only is it better, I commented it's light years better than Young Frankenstein. A that it's much more biting mm-hmm. and willing to kind of you know kill kill some sacred cows in the name of laughs. But also yeah, just the volume, the amount of jokes that it has. Thank you, thank you very much. All right, help me in with this. Help me in with this. Help me in with this. Think of your secretary. That's a very good suggestion. All right. Thank you. All right. Okay, is that it? Anything else? Just this urgent telegram from Rockbridge that arrived last Friday. Last Friday? Read it, read it. You wild bitch. Sheriff murdered, church meeting bombed, reign of terror must cease. Send your sheriff immediately. Holy underwear! Sheriff murdered? Innocent women and children blown to bits? We've got to protect our phony baloney job, gentlemen. We must do something about this immediately. Immediately, immediately. Harumph, 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 harumph. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Give the governor harumph. Harumph. You watch your ass. Gentlemen, please rest your sphincters. Well put. Thank you very much, sir. As attorney general, I can assure you that a suitable sheriff will be found to restore the peace in Rock Ridge. Meeting is adjourned. Oh, I am sorry, sir. I didn't mean to overstep my bounds. You say that. What? Meeting is adjourned. It is? No, you say that, Governor. What? Meeting is adjourned. It is? Here, play around with this for a while. Oh, thank you, Hetty. No, it's Headley. It is? Why don't you give these out to some of the boys in lieu of pay? Here you go. Frankie, Johnny, Patsy, Kelly, and one for Miss Stein, my beloved secretary. Play with these, boys, in lieu of that other thing. Again, like I, you really don't think that it has much to say about race, or at least you don't think that it's as. No, I, I think it has a lot on its mind about race. The question is, like, how how much does it apply to modern times when we're looking at it through the frame of a an old genre like this? I mean, you do have to kind of put into consideration that this movie was written by an old Jewish man, so. Yeah. <laughs> And for the people, including Richard Pryor, who was going to play Bart yeah. in this movie, um, before I, I can't exact. I don't know the exact reasoning for 
the studio executives. I think their <laughs> their official excuse was like, oh, he's not a big enough name, so we'll cast somebody whose name we can't even remember now. <laughs> um, I have a one good reason for it. Cocaine. It probably had to do with cocaine. <laughs> Well, I think the the third reason, the third or and perhaps biggest public reason was the, uh, let's say the content of his stand up act. Mm-hmm. You know, probably offending the sensibilities of a lot of uh, moviegoers in the nineteen seventy in the nineteen seventies. Mm. I mean, was this movie really that? I don't like. Obviously, again, copious amounts of the n word are used, mm-hmm. but it's like, do you really think that this was an offensive movie? I mean, granted, you know, nowadays we have Deadpool and stuff like that, and it's like. I don't know, looking at it in South Park, like looking at it through a modern lens, it's like, I don't know. I, th- I thought the the comedy was quite quaint, but I don't know what, you know, times were like in the seventies. Well, I'm, I'm sure audiences, this taking place in the early seventies, you know, the kind of hippie and sexual revolution happened before then. So I'm sure there was something about this movie that seemed very rebellious and it was kind of like a welcome rebelliousness rather than like, <laughs> like monocles dropping out. Like, Oh, this is, this is too offensive for theaters. X rating. Like get it out. Of well, here. no. And yeah, the other thing too is, it's, so I, I think it was with the, it was a, it was barrier breaking at a time when that was welcome. No, absolutely. And you're, it's taking down a genre that their parents probably grew up on. So that's yeah. another reason why this, again, probably had a very rebellious spirit and really caught on with the young folk. Mm-hmm. Even though, again, it was written yeah. by an old Jewish man. Yeah. <laughs> well, John, I mean, obviously our, our impression's great, and there are many good laughs. However, it's not a perfect movie. Uh, excuse me? How dare you, good sir? How dare you? Betrayer of the one true cause. And the, the kind of the, the limits to that quality, I think, are actually in the performance of its biggest star, which is Gene Wilder. Hmm. Okay. I, mean, it, I, his thought, character... I thought he was a little milk toast, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, because he's he's playing more. Of a, Gene Wilder is a, is obviously a, a hugely funny character actor, mm-hmm. but here he seems more like um somebody to drive the plot forward rather than really presenting presenting a lot of laughs. Um, um... I feel like Bart Bart is really kind of more the catalyst for the comedy, and yeah. whereas uh, whereas Gene Wilder's character. Was it the uh, Waco kid? Mm-hmm. He's he's just a little bit more like kind of a catalyst for the plot, just to kind of keep things moving forward with his uh, gunslinger skills. I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he really moves it forward, but he, he definitely you know uses his talents to defend the townspeople and you know defend poor Bart. Um, but you're right. Like, Again, as a function of the plot. Yeah, I guess, exactly. I, I guess that's true. I don't know. It's just like everyone loves Gene Wilder, and I get that. But also, it's just like he's such a kind of meek presence which again kind of works for like you know say Willy Wonka or the producers but I don't know I don't know if it 100% works I mean obviously as a sidekick I think he works absolutely but I just don't know why he's kind of like grown into this beloved figure R.I.P. you know he died last year but still I like I I don't know well I think part of it is those kind of classic comedies he did with uh Richard Pryor Mm -hmm. oh I guess maybe yeah, not quite being a, a straight man compared to him, but more like, you know, the, the kind of the team they had. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I, I don't think they have quite the same chemistry that he and Pryor would have, like, obviously that we saw in other movies. Exactly. That he has with Bart. Again, I wish I could remember the actor's name. <laughs> <laughs> he's originally from Broadway, so he's practically dead. So, <laughs> Ouch. John, there are many fine actors still working hard on profit, still plugging away. <laughs> and one day, they'll get out of that basement apartment and... <laughs> Move up to the penthouse <laughs> once that once that Disney you know Broadway remake comes up exactly, <laughs> or Tina Fey discovers them anyway. Um, yeah. Get in there close and find out what's happening. There's our ticket. Hey boys, look what I got here. Hey, where are the white women at? I like that. Be ready to attack Rock Ridge at noon tomorrow. Here's your badge. Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. (laughs) (laughs) Qualifications? Stampeding cattle. That's not much of a crime. Through the Vatican? Kinky. Sign here. Why, rat! How many times have I told you to wash up after weekly cross burning? <laughs> See, it's coming off. Oh. Oh. And now for my next impression, Jesse Owens. 
Seize them! No, I think I think the actor who plays Black Bart is great because again he he brings that anarchic sense of humor to the movie. His name's Clefton oh, yeah, best... Little, by the way. Clefton Little. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that again, I think he's again this kind of star-making role. But the best comedy is kind of framed around him getting the best of these, <laughs> getting the best of these miscreants. <laughs> um, the first one is Mongo. <laughs> so I think that's kind of an interesting touch, a really subtle touch of the movie is the fact that obviously you know all the racist characters treat these people of color basically as animals you know even yeah. in that earlier scene it's like there could be quicksand up there all right we'll take a few horses no 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 don't risk any horses just throw those black folks up there <laughs> we could spare those <laughs> um and i think it's an interesting comment that the biggest most animalistic character in the whole movie is basically a white guy <laughs> yeah well that's a that's a trope that you see a lot in movies sort mm. of like yeah i'm trying to yeah i'm trying to think like there are x-men comments comics that do that <laughs> So it it may not be like a like a huge revelatory statement. However, you know they do see you know kind of in in the way that which characters are mistreated, they do find some common ground there. Mm-hmm. But I was speaking more like the the kind of cartoon, the Candy Graham, <laughs> the literally out of Looney Tunes, the Candy Graham like explosion. Even going so far as to include the dun 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 as the yeah. end. <laughs> yeah. And some other cartoony logic things, like him uh, Mongo punching a horse. Yep. <laughs> him clearing out a saloon by literally squishing them against the piano. <laughs> and I love the fact that after he's arrested Mongo and let him sleep it off, he could, like Mongo kind of turned like again. The whole movie is all about Bart kind of getting everyone to, over to his side and making him not be racist yeah. anymore. For Mongo, it's kind of like much simpler because again, he's very childlike intellect. He obviously doesn't have this. Uh, a racist bone in his body so when he's like tied up and freed to go he just kind of breaks his chains like and yawns i thought that was hilarious yeah <laughs> yeah so just the perfect touches of absur- absurdism mm-hmm. yep and of course like all movies the absurdism is mm. cranked up to as far as it can possibly go uh you know we get subtle little fourth wall breaks throughout the movie and then eventually it just kind of mm-hmm. like throws the baby out with the bathwater and basically says like hey you're watching a movie so let's just get off the set and let's just go nuts <laughs> yeah so a huge fight breaks out in this uh in this town called rock ridge mm-hmm. they even set up like a fake town it's like it, it's the cliche kind of western set where it's just store and building fronts mm-hmm. <laughs> until the fight literally breaks out onto the warner brothers lot because this is a warner brothers production and weirdly enough, I, I again blast the past. The they break into a studio that's that's shooting like a, a, a first stage. They break out is is onto a a busby busby Berkeley esque musical. <laughs> again, like one of those old one of those old musicals from the from the thirties or forties. Everybody's <laughs> doing the French mistake. Voila! <laughs> Including perhaps the the crowning achievement of Dom DeLuise's career. <laughs> Wait, was that Dom DeLuise? He was. I thought it was. was so it <laughs> I do. Well, John, as we all were, you know, I don't want to come in on the ravages of time. Okay. Throw out your hands, take out your tush, hands on your hips, give them a push, you'll be surprised you're doing the French mistake for life. All right, cut! Wrong! Okay, just watch me. It's so simple, you sissy Marys. Give me the playback and watch me fang it. Throw out your hands, take out your tush, hands on your hips, give them a push. You'll be surprised you're doing the French mistake for lot. Shit. Have you got it? Yes. yes. Sounds like steam escaping. Action! Okay, oh, wait till I get out. Wait till I get out. Okay. Playback! Throw out your hands, take out your push, hands on your hips, give them a push. for Mel Brooks. Not in the face. Thank you. But that, not only, I, I forgot about how transgressive it is in another moment where 
in that the, the eventually the the dancer they interrupt the dancers and the dancers fight back, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a dancer and a cowboy actually, um, in spite of some confrontation, find love. Oh, it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how how comfortable audiences were with that in early 1970s, but. <laughs> I mean, there's also copious amounts of the F-word, a derogatory term for gay people. So there's also uh, Well, that. once. Well, once. <laughs> Watch me, F-words. <laughs> Steam escaping. <laughs> but I, I, like, I remember that scene specifically, but I forgot that it also kind of like spills out into the climax because they eventually confront... Uh, <laughs> What's his name again? Sorry. Headley Lamar. <laughs> they eventually... He says it about 8,000 times. I know. They, they confront Headley Lamar. I just wanted to get it right. I didn't want to confuse anybody, you know? Yeah, right. Um, you know, it, again, why couldn't we get Hed- Hedy Lamar in the movie? She was still alive at the time. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they confront him in front of a Chinese man's theater, and, you know, there's still the wet <laughs> the wet cement that he ends yeah. up on top of. And then after they've, they've finally confronted the main antagonist, defeated the final boss, they're like, should we go finish the movie? Uh, sure. I hope it has a happy ending. And it looks like they're, again, the other crowning joke. <laughs> looks like they're about to ride off to the sunset, and they stop at a limousine <laughs> and take the limousine off. Exactly. They, they ride off in a limousine into the sunset, not their horses. So Yeah. So again, just brilliant jokes like that. Again, again, just imagine how much funnier they are when we're not explaining them. <laughs> and you see them for yourselves. Exactly. So if you haven't gotten a chance to see this movie, what are you waiting for? Exactly. It really puts the screws to that old Western genre, doesn't ah, it? Take that, you bastards. <laughs> I know, you old racist what a, bastards. What a waste of This is your oh, yeah. favorite Mel Brooks film? Well, no. I mean, just because I have an affinity for Spaceballs, that one—that one's a little more feels a little bit more contemporary because it's skewering something that's still alive. Today, no, yes, and obviously, not. yeah, we we have a lot of affection for the Star Wars series, so it's just kind of yeah, yeah. I, it's kind of funny, you know, Mel Brooks's career because again, he he ended up skewering a lot of stuff that he grew up with, and I think that's why he's you know gotten such critical acclaim. And then his one yeah. movie that is kind of more derided is probably Spaceballs and that's because it is skewing something that he didn't specifically grow up with and it seems kind of I don't know trite or obvious but honestly that's probably my favorite one too that he's ever done even though I do love History of the World in part one and I love this movie and um, I've never actually seen the original producers though so I should probably check that out well it doesn't have the music in it I know and again clearly it's not as good where's the charm of Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick hmm hmm I, I ask you. I ask you're you. gonna have to go with you're gonna have to go with Gene Wilder and the other guy. <laughs> Again, sorry. I don't know why I can't remember people's names today. <laughs> it's because they're all from Broadway, and that's why you you just like again. You're so focused on movies. It's like Broadway. What's that? That's a street yeah, in my neighborhood, exactly. right? Yeah, it's a street in my neighborhood, and I don't know. The, just that's where I don't know. The, all the theater weirdos from high school want to go. Like whatever, fine. <laughs> Shallow people like me, we're headed to Hollywood, of baby. We're going to be stars. Stars yes. where the real money's made. Yep. Piss on you. I work for Mel Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I'm glad we could end Western Month with a hearty recommendation. Of course. <laughs> Sad yeah. that this is the most movie, or the uh, high. Well, actually, I don't know. I really like Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. I might recommend okay. that one above this one. Just a little bit. Just in terms of critical prowess. Yes, and I also talked about The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Yeah. Again, that that wasn't one that we watched together. However, that one I'd hardly recommend as well. Uh, all right. Well, Greg, maybe we should wrap up with what we've learned about our, our little survey into the Western genre. Okay. I, again, I've, I've already explained my thoughts, expounded on my thoughts, and that's uh, this genre is a whole waste of time, and I say <laughs> let it die. <laughs> 
Rule number one of your of westerns is racist. Rule number two, <laughs> boring. <laughs> Rule number three, yeah. uh, a black and white morality. You know, boring. Where the white guy always triumphs. The white male always triumphs. Excuse me. Exactly. <laughs> and the women are just there yeah. to put your dicks in. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I still have affection, in spite of what we just went through, and, and maybe kind of the, the roller coaster of quality that we experienced over these five films. Mm-hmm. I, I still admire the Western genre for being kind of uniquely American, yep. which, in case people didn't know, was my nationality. So <laughs> that could ex- that could explain my connection to it. Yep. But also just the the kind of infinite possibility, and and I've got to say, of the, of the examples that I do love, there's stuff of kind of like... Um, kind of demystifying it a little bit and also playing with the the moral complexity that this era of american history had yeah um i wouldn't say we found that in say these five examples particularly but still it's a genre worth kind of seeking even if it is kind of we're losing touch with it you know as the years pass (laughs) oh no and again we maybe should have revisited some more contemporary examples like unforgiven or uh the other one i was considering was the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford or something like that one that kind of really you know takes it apart in more of a serious tone as opposed to blazing saddles yeah but also this is aspiring snobs and this is just an excuse for me to watch older black and white movies so that's why we had to watch these ones so hey, and that was the whole that was that's not just the impetus for western month that was the impetus for the entire show oh, and look at where we are now yeah 80 episodes deep yeah again complete waste of time <laughs> Just another, just another, just dull distraction on the road to the grave. <laughs> Greg Mantell finding the positive note in everything. Absolutely. We've shone, we've shown a spotlight on the Western genre. Now let's shine a spotlight on other things that we can recommend to folks. With our with our signature section, thumbs up, thumbs. Down. <laughs> John and Greg recommends. Yeah. Sorry, thumbs up, thumbs down, copyright Eber Corporation. <laughs> yes, of course. No, of course I'm talking about Spotlight. 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 It's time, Robbie! It's time! Well, obviously I've already put in the sound drop for the first time you said it, so... The, the, like, oh, really? Yeah. What? No, don't put it there. No, don't I'm going to put it there. there. It's too late. No, it's don't. Late. Don't. Yep. Nope, it's already happened. And there's nothing you're, you can do about wretched it. Wretched editor. I'm going to edit every episode from now okay, on. Okay, fine. And do it properly. <laughs> Actually, oh, no, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> That's what I thought. What am I saying, John? We don't edit. We don't. We don't, we're we're we deliver perfect elocution every time. We, yeah, we don't have any interruptions uh, uh, or anything to edit uh, out. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I mostly need to edit on my cat. That's the biggest issue. Oh yeah, that's what you need to edit out most. You know what, Greg? You know what? I don't like your attitude. Okay. <laughs> not lip smacks. Not ums. You're you're the I'm um guilty of that as well. I know. You're yeah, a stumbling, exactly. bumbling mess. Can't remember any names. Gosh. I'll tell you what I can remember, John. And that's seeing Deadpool 2. <laughs> Was it as good as Deadpool 1? No. Oh, then why are you wasting it? <laughs> because it's still fine, but it is, I, I will explain, like a Hollywood sequel. Like, if you like Deadpool 1, you will like Deadpool 2, because it's pretty much the same movie, just more of it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and so, yeah, just uh, by way of explanation, I surpri- surprisingly enjoyed Deadpool, even though I... I even though it, it is so juvenile and the higher part of my brain just you know can condescend to the it hitting the little pleasure centers <laughs> of course yeah but um yeah deadpool 2 basically hits all the same beats this is the scene with um him and dopender in the cab um this is the scene where again it's him and vanessa this is the scene with him and tj miller like you know it's it's literally it hits all the same beats it's just but there's enough sprinkling of variety that it might be worth uh seeing again and okay. maybe seeing it in theaters if if there's if you have interest in nothing else. Mm, okay. Um, the plot is as it as it is. Okay. Is if you're familiar, uh, Deadpool is um, he's actually got a death wish. Um, something oh. yes, something happens between him and Vanessa. Um, again, like sequel. This is this is very similar to uh, another Hollywood sequel in uh, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> With the love, we have to get rid of the love of interest immediately. Absolutely, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, sorry, this isn't a romance like the first movie was. This is a movie mm-hmm. more about fatherhood. Yeah. In spite of that death wish, he he joins the uh, X Men, and he's thrust into a mission where he has to help out a rebellious teenage mutant played by Jillian Dennison of uh, the Hunt of the Wilder People fame. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, young New Zealand Again, actor. playing a, a young, rebellious ruffian. Exactly. And he's that, but underutilized as he, uh, compared to Hunt of the Wilder People. Okay, fair Yeah, enough. I felt like they didn't maximize that, maximize his potential in that case, but... Mm-hmm. Um, well, and anyway, because the they... special effects budget couldn't spare it. Yes. <laughs> he didn't have to shoot fireballs out of his hands for, you know, Hunt for the Wilder People. <laughs> I know, but they could have. How much How much would that have improved Hunt for the Wilder People? Come on. Oh, gosh, that's the only thing that could have improved that movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and again, where, where's Sam Neill in Deadpool 2? <laughs> Wait, oh, spoiler alert, he's not in it? Right. No, I, I <laughs> no, I have no there reason. There are some surprise it. cameos, but Sam Neill is not among them. I, I'm sorry. But anyway, he takes in this young rebellious kid and goes to, and unfortunately they're forced to this prison called the Icebox. And this is where we kind mm-hmm. of establish our relationship. And this is where the, the sincere kind of core of the movie is. Not only in, mm-hmm. in Deadpool's depression over losing his loved one, but also in the little relationship that he has with this uh, wayward teenager. So mm-hmm. in spite of the fourth wall breaking, the sass, the, the, you know, the sass that Deadpool just emanates, there, there's still like kind of a sincere heart to these movies. Um, mm-hmm. If you look closely, <laughs> <laughs> if you squint, if you look hard, yeah. Because I think I think this time around, um, this it's a different director. It's a guy named David Leith who uh, has done uh, John Wick and uh, Atomic Blonde. So this is kind of his mode. And I don't think he's as good. He's as good as kind of balancing that tone as mm-hmm. uh, the fir- the movie's first director, a guy named Tim Miller was. Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, like you know, action is still good. You know, Ryan Reynolds is still funny as Deadpool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, put in another sincere villain performance by Josh Brolin. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's the summer of Brolin. That no is. one denies this. No. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure he's in another movie this summer, right? <laughs> one where he plays a good guy, um, hopefully. Hello, Sicario 2. Oh, that's day right. Of, day of the Sicarios. <laughs> I don't remember. Day of the Salado, John. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I love that in that Hollywood sequel, somebody said, yeah, that Sicario guy, awesome. He should be the star of his own movie. <laughs> Where he just shoots the bad guy. That's the message that they took. <laughs> but in any event, I mean, again, fine, but just expect more of what you liked about Deadpool. <laughs> Greg's highest form of praise. It's fine. <laughs> it's all fine. <laughs> I will say the most inspired bit is when they're recruiting uh, this new team called X-Force. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, everyone kind of. I. I. In the reviews, they mentioned that that was probably the funniest bit, right in the middle. So. Exactly. Um. Mm-hmm. Because what what happens on their first mission is pretty. Uh. It's pretty unexpected. Let's say. <laughs> so I'll prepare oh, you boy. for that twist. Yeah. I'll. I'll spoil that twist. Yeah. Well, it seems like it. I don't know. Part of the reason why I was kind of excited to see it is it does seem like it's kind of at least digging a little deeper into kind of the tropes of the superhero genre besides kind of the superficial stuff like the superhero landing bad for the knees you know that kind of thing like again well, this whole idea that you you have to kill the girlfriend to motivate the you know hero character or something like that well yeah exactly so it's it's doing kind of the same amount of skewering i'd say okay i, I yeah again like you'll i you reference that, and this happens early on in the movie. Ryan uh, Ryan Reynolds' character is forced to jump out a window. He's like, "Oh no, I got to do a superhero landing," and he's like, "And he's in pain, like my back." <laughs> you know, yeah. So again, it hits all the same. Everything you liked about Deadpool, it's got to hit it again, but like more of it. Okay. And yeah, I also heard so. it's much gorier this time around. It's much what? Gorier this time around? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's it's by some... this guy who did John Wick, so it's like exactly yeah. So. so the sensibility, yeah, it's, it it gets a little more violent, unlike say that scene where, um, if you remember in Deadpool, he confronts uh, the agent who recruited him to this uh, dangerous and potentially deadly, you know, super soldier force, and mm-hmm. says you may want to look away, and he tilts the camera away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's none of that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. I'm gl- I'm glad you enjoyed Deadpool, or at least as much as you did. Yes, but Greg, I'm sorry. Deadpool too is not a bad character. Okay, he's, he's a- not the baddest motherfucker to ever grace the big screen. No, I'm talking about the most super fly, <laughs> super cool <laughs> guy to ever hit the scene. I'm talking about Black Dynamite. Dynamite! Dynamite! Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I I was gonna say how is that possible in a in a universe where Dolomite exists? But you found the only <laughs> guy that can. Um, he's badder than Dolomite. He's badder. Bitch, than are Superfly. you for real? 
<laughs> and he's better than Shaft, okay? I'm talking Black Dynamite. Dynamite! Dynamite! Ooh, I just got the vapors just hearing that. <laughs> So what inspired me to pick this movie and to recommend it is the fact that we just did a, you know, satire based, you know, pretty exclusively around race. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I'd recommend one of my other favorite parodies, Black Dynamite, Dynamite! which is a pitch perfect parody of a 70s exploitation picture. Exactly. I'd, I would say it's a loving parody, not as satirical as... No, absolutely not. Yeah. And it, but it's equally so... as absurd. <laughs> No, and it's so it's one of those parodies that's like so good you could even picture it in the like it's shot on the same exact film practically. Yeah, you know it's got all the perfect hallmarks and touches right down to the boom mics you know appearing in a few scenes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it has like you know it's it it's packed with jokes and it's got a few like subtle gags like uh you know well I won't say subtle um, <laughs> nothing but you know at one point there's a character. <laughs> In the climax, there's one character who starts, like, extolling for, like, five minutes what he's going to do once he gets home. He's going to, you know, and how much he loves his family and kids. And then he immediately gets shot. Yeah. To which Black Dynamite says, who saw that coming? I mean, who saw where that came from? <laughs> but um, Black Dynamite, for those who aren't aware, and shame on you if you're not. Yeah. Um, it's it's a movie that came out in 2009. And uh, we kind of have a special history with it, me and Greg, because we actually saw it at a midnight screening. Yeah, I mean, it was a limited release back in the day, back in 2009, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. yeah, one of the few times we could see it was at midnight, and that's when I fell in and out of love with midnight movies. Because <laughs> while I, you and I loved Black Dynamite the first time we saw it, uh, we didn't like getting home at 2.30 a.m. No, as, as much as we love Black Dynamite, we're also still old fuddy-duddies Yeah, we just don't like being out late. No. <laughs> but still, but, a uh, great theatrical movie-going experience. Of course. Um <laughs> I wish I could remember the <laughs> so it's again because the movie's operating on multiple layers Black Dynamite is played by Michael Jai White but actually he's credited as like a football star from the 70s or something yeah, like that yeah. like they add that extra layer to it as well it's even shot in periscopic you know quadrovision you know it's great <laughs> <laughs> and by that they mean the same crappy 60 millimeter film that a lot of black exploitation <laughs> movies in the 70s were filmed on exactly um but again, it's it's just a loving recreation, and again, kind of hits all the kind of cliches. Again, lovingly, you know, doesn't really, and obviously, you know, it's it's about race in America, and you know how the black man, the the main villain of the piece is literally the man. Yeah. And again, there's no specific the man. It's just the system kind of keeping poor black people down. And of course, this escalates to a final confrontation with Richard Nixon. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the man takes many forms. He's he's initially an Italian mob boss. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then a, a Fu Manchu-esque, you know, Asian villain. That's when we get our Kung Fu section. <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, again, working its way up to Richard Nixon. Yeah. Which, again, he defeats in Kung Fu. Yes. But, John, what's the... I think the highlight of the movie is the free association when they find out the man's sinister scheme. <laughs> yes. The main scheme is that he's developed a, a malt liquor called Anaconda... Which makes your dick small. Yes. <laughs> the, the, As a way to disempower the proud black man of America. Yeah. Anaconda gives you little Richards, as it were. Because <laughs> it makes your voice high. Yeah. Oh, because it makes you go, woo. <laughs> oh, that's right. It makes you go, woo. Uh, see, even you're remembering stuff from the movie that I don't even remember. Because well, yeah, it's I, so packed. It's so dense. <laughs> There's so much so going dense. on in every frame. <laughs> we even got into Cream Corn, played by the brilliant Tommy Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's got so many great cameos like Arsenio Hall yeah. and Cedric Eager. Ugh, I, can't, Yarborough. I can never pronounce his Yeah, Yarborough. Yeah, I can never remember his mm -hmm. last name. He gets the best line in the movie. I'm going to bring the war to anyone who sells drugs in our community. But Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it's a brilliant um, 70-minute exercise in excess. <laughs> so if you're a big fan of parity and absurdism, as I am, yeah. there's no reason why you shouldn't love Black Dynamite. Even if you don't. Yeah. There's no reason why you shouldn't enjoy yourself watching this great film. Absolutely. Again, I can't... If there's anybody out in the, the universe who doesn't love Black Dynamite, they're wrong because it doesn't exist. <laughs> there is nobody out there. So, please, like... No. The only people who don't love Black Dynamite are the people who are not aware of Black Dynamite. <laughs> and then also they made some kind of, like, Adult Swim show based on it. Oh, they yeah, gave it, like, it. a very hyperactive, like, anime style, which, I don't know, I, I think kind of you know they just kind of doesn't go with the spirit exactly yeah it's it's out of time a little bit yeah mm -hmm. i mean like if they made it like a you know like hannah barbara's like 
Saturday morning cartoon show, which they already kind of did with Michael Tyson, but whatever. I don't know why I call him Michael Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's the next phase of his career. He's trying to, you know, shed <laughs> the old a, bad boy image. That was now. Mike Tyson. Now it's Michael Tyson. <laughs> it's Michael Tyson. I didn't rape those women. Yeah. <laughs> no, not me, good sir. Uh, where's the Me Too movement for him? I, hmm? He's paid his debt to society. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Greg, now that Western month is ending and mm-hmm. we're riding off into the sunset, where do we go from here? Well, we go off to the future. And the future, my okay. friend, is social media. Yes. We're all about these computers now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard about these computers. Yes. Well, on the computers are the social networks, um, mainly mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter, and MySpace. We're on all three. <laughs> but MySpace is where we need to really goose the numbers. I mean, of it course. is a dead zone out there. It's, it's a shame, you know. And it's, it's like, it's us and Justin Timberlake, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And some guy named Tom. <laughs> Oh, no, he's long gone. Even he's left, <laughs> oh, he, he's left that sinking ship. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> he's off with we need his to get, best life. We need to get Sean Parker on this. Sean Parker would really goose our numbers. Uh, he absolutely. would help. Absolutely. He can give us some of that raw water of his. He can <laughs> He can lend a lot to our enterprise. Yeah, after that, you can go to your podcast service of choice, whether it be uh, Apple Podcasts or others. I'm sure there are others. <laughs> <laughs> of course there are others. John Stitcher, Player FM, Acast. Mm-hmm. And you can give us a review there. Maybe give us a little five stars. Throw a little five stars our way. Totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Trust me, and it costs then... you nothing. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> and then hit that subscribe button, and you'll help others find our podcast as well. But, John, here's something you may not be able to find on our social media. What's that? And that's what the movie we're going to be watching next week, so that people yes. can watch along with us. Ergo, it feels like they're part of the discussion. They've joined the conversation. Exactly. And actually, next week, we have a fan recommendation. Yes. We thought, we, we thought we'd, you know, throw a bone to the fans. So we just thought, eh, let's Stop give them... Let's give them fans this way. <laughs> <laughs> Again, healthy disdain. Healthy yeah. disdain. I said, you know, I said to myself, let's throw them a little Thelma. You know what? You know what? I changed my mind. Let's treat them. Let's give them Thelma and Louise. Yep. So the movie next week is A League of Their Own. <laughs> no, we're watching the... It'll be interesting because we're, we're not big fans of Ridley Scott, but we'll see what happens. We'll see how we feel about this movie. Absolutely. It'll be nice to see him doing a non-sci-fi, non-swords-and-sandals epic. So, oh, sure. Yeah, it worked out so well with Hannibal. I mean, <laughs> all Wait, of his movies have... are good. He's, he's, like, he's like those diners with the 50-page menu. <laughs> all wonderful. <laughs> Much more. <laughs> I thought that was Tony Scott who did Hannibal. <laughs> no, no, no that, I guess that, that's indicative of the kind of quality we're talking about here. Ooh, ouch. Burn. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> Oh, he killed himself, didn't he? Yeah. Oh. That was in poor taste on my part. I apologize. This is a very insensitive episode. Indeed. Rest in peace, Gene Wilder. Rest in peace, uh, Tony, Tony Scott. Scott. And rest in peace, Western Month. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As we ride off into the sunset. Yep. To what next frontier we go, I'm not sure. It'll be a nice soft landing for us white men out there. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing but open prairies for us. Mm-hmm. And brambles for every other person of color. <laughs> now, John, let's get them different dragon into the bramble patch. Candy <laughs> <laughs> under the two neck team. Keep aspiring. What? <laughs> Keep aspiring. Oh, okay. I was, trying to do, I was closing it with the catchphrase. Gosh. Okay. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs>